Hi, I'm Dr. Lisa Dunn, and thanks for joining me here today on The Communication Architect. Each week, we'll share content that will empower you to grow your personal leadership capacity through the development of communication competencies that build emotional health and relational resilience. We'll unpack some practical applications of interpersonal, intrapersonal, family, and organizational communication. And we'll connect with stories of transformation that will inspire you to achieve personal and social change. Now, let's build the scaffolding you need to become a communication architect. How can you develop a legacy of generational gratitude in your home? Join us on today's show for some practical tips and scholarly reflections on the power of Thanksgiving. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the show. I'm Dr. Lisa Dunn, a lifelong homeschooling parent, author, and president of Chula Vista Christian University, a four-year university that centers on mentor-driven, Bible-based, debt-free higher education. Visit us at cvcu.us to see how we are taking back education for the next generation. If you're new to the show, we're in a season unpacking a whole host of tips that will help you get set up for success in every aspect of your life. Be sure to scroll back on my podcast for tips and tools of the trade. Pastors, if you'd like to know more about how you can play a vital role in rescuing the outsourced generation, go to armacademicrescuemission.com and click the Start an Academy tab. We can have your campus up and running in four weeks anywhere in the United States. Parents, we have three levels of support for you. We have our church-based support classes, we have our annual conference, and we have our college degree programs at CVCU. Our flexible programs, you can earn your bachelor's degree in political science, engineering, pre-medicine, psychology, education, business communication, entrepreneurship, and a whole whole lot more right here with our mentor-driven model. You can get all the details at cvcu.us. That's Chula Vista Christian University. One of my all-time favorite essays is a cautionary tale written in 1884 by Guy de Maupassant called The Necklace. And the main character of the story, Matilda, finds herself so focused on her dreams of popularity that she loses herself in the struggle. The joys of the present are fully eclipsed by her obsessions with the future. Matilda's husband, who's a messianic archetype, pours out everything for her, sacrificing his own needs for her momentary materialistic gain. And as a a result of his wife's selfishness, her carelessness, her pride, the couple faces a decade of agony that ends in a painfully ironic revelation and a twist. You can read the whole story aloud with your family at AmericanLiterature.com. Just look up The Necklace. The modern relatability of the theme is clear and perhaps even more poignant and possible in an area of all excess materialism like we live in today. What can we do personally to combat the flood of superficially focused entitlement enhanced messages that saturate the airwaves around us today? Let's contemplate some practical applications and study a few of the many psychological, physiological, neurological, and relational benefits of gratitude. I think first, we can think about where we are. If you're reading this message, I think I can safely assume that you have access to some type of shelter, electricity, the internet. Did you know that this makes you materially wealthier than the majority of the people on the planet? In fact, if you have running water, electricity, a car in any condition, more than one article of clothing in your closet, and more than one meal to eat today, you are among the top 10% of the wealthiest people in the world. 
How's that for a paradigm shift? I know it's easy in our modern media central culture to get more caught up in our lack of this or that like Matilda did. And let's face it, we often have a Western tendency to approach life with a glass half empty mindset. So this week is a great season for a little gratitude checkup. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Psalm 1071 reminds us, let the redeemed give thanks to the Lord for his unfailing love and his wonderful deeds. We've talked on the show many times, and we've all heard the stats about the youngest generation, the most anxious, depressed people group in the history of our nation. Listen, parents, I want you to listen in today because there's a clear link of causation between gratitude and depression. Studies in China at Brigham Young University at Florida State University have collectively shown a direct and powerful correlation between the expressions of thankfulness and the mental state of depression. Get this, the more gratitude people expressed, the less depression they experienced. The entitlement spirit that has been unleashed over the last three generations is literally robbing us of joy. Gratitude has tremendous physical and emotional benefits. Dr. Robert Emmons, who's a professor of psychology at the University of California, Davis, is known as the world's leading scientific expert in the field of gratitude, which as I said on last week's show, I think is just the coolest title in the world. In his work with cultivating gratitude skills in children and adults, he found that things like keeping a daily gratitude journal can have tremendous impact, such as improving alertness, enthusiasm, determination, attentiveness, optimism, and energy. Who would have thought that gratitude journaling could impact all of those arenas? Dr. Remmons led a joint longitudinal study, which is a long-term study with UC Davis and the University of Miami, go Canes. And the the study was called Gratitude Interventions and Psychological and Physical Well-Being. It was aimed at assessing the impact of gratitude on health. And one of the authors in the study said this, religions and philosophies have long embraced gratitude as an indispensable manifestation of virtue and an integral component of health, wholeness, and well-being. In other words, words, the study intended to shed scientific light on what the Bible already declared to be true, as is often the case with social science research. You can read that whole UC Davis UM study uh, at the psychology.ucdavis.edu site, or you can go to our blog at cvcu.us and get the direct link there. Just scroll down to the bottom of the homepage. Here's a little synopsis of what the researchers found in the study. Pretty fascinating stuff. They found that people who keep weekly gratitude journals, that is writing a list of things you're thankful for, tend to have a number of very proactive habits and mindsets. They exercise more regularly, they report fewer physical symptoms, they feel better about their lives, and they're more optimistic about the future. We'll talk later about the correlation causation conundrum there, but there's a clear there's a clear connection, whether it's a chicken and egg issue, uh, you'll have to sort out <laughs> for yourself. But there is a clear connection. Listen to some more data from the study. People who, cre- who keep regular gratitude lists also demonstrate a higher likelihood of making progress toward personal goals, whether that's scholastic, interpersonal, or health-related. So if you're keeping a regular list of things you're thankful for, you are also more likely to make progress towards something else that's important to you. Fascinating, right? 
Young adults specifically in the study who took intentional steps to express in gratitude daily, what the researchers called a daily gratitude intervention, reported higher levels of alertness, higher levels of enthusiasm and determination and attentiveness and energy. Again, how crazy is that, that it's connected to being intentionally thankful? In the study, people who expressed daily gratitude were more likely to offer emotional support to other people. They were more likely to help someone with a personal problem. They were more likely to reach out. One of the studies in the UMUC Davis, one of the points in the UMUC Davis study, also addressed the impact of gratitude on healing. Now, there's a great deal of research on this, but this specific one was a sample of adults that had neuromuscular disease. And a 21-day gratitude intervention proved to, sh- to, to result in greater amounts of high energy, positive moods, a greater sense of feeling connected to other people, more optimistic ratings of life, and better sleep duration and quality. Again, from gratitude, from intentionally writing down or talking about things that they're grateful for. Gratitude is an absolute and total win-win. It takes intentionality, it takes focus, it takes some self-discipline to keep our minds focused on the right topics, but it is an absolute win-win. God promised us in Psalm 1611 that he will make known to us the path of life, that in his presence is fullness of joy. And this is such a great season to assess that fruit in our home life and activate those worship weapons in our arsenal if we find ourselves a little short on gratitude in our home or in our realm of influence. You know, in addition to our own self-responsible self-responsibility, we also play a role in the expression and the experience of gratitude for others in our realm of influence too. Dr. Glenn Fox, who's a professor at the University of Southern California, has been studying how hearing stories that inspire gratitude increases the activity in our medial PFC. I know we talked about this a little bit last week. Uh, your prefrontal medial prefrontal cortex is the zone of empathy. And what Dr. Fox found was that hearing these stories increased our levels of compassion, it improved our sleep, it enhanced our relationships, promotes health, increases happiness. If you're having trouble sleeping, maybe some more gratitude stories are in order. Hebrews 3.13 says that we're responsible to encourage one another daily so that we won't be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And that word exhort, parakaleo, means to call near, to invite, to invoke, to console. When we come near to offer sincere praise and encouragement to another person. We do more than simply function as corporate cheerleaders. We are, as we talked about last week, act actively, actually activating that reward center of the human brain. We're flooding it with dopamine, the neurotransmitter that regulates emotion, motivation, and pleasure. We ourselves play a significant role in cultivating a joyful emotional environment of people in our realm of influence. Why not leave a meeting or a marketplace better than you found it? One of the really easy and powerful ways to do that is peer-to-peer praise, which I've talked about many times on the show. I call it reverse gossip. It's the public shout out and really demonstrating, expressing your gratitude for people in front of other people. Another fast track to learning gratitude is assessing and addressing your thought life. 
if you're too focused on the wrong thing, obviously that's going to lead to negative emotional output. Philippians 4, 8 literally gives us a list of things to think on, things that are true and noble and right and pure and lovely and admirable and excellent and praiseworthy. Even neuroscientists like Dr. Sean Aker at Harvard have shown that we literally rewire our brains for better or for worse by what we think about. It's the same principle that underpins Romans 12 too, that we are transformed, metamorpho, by the renewing of our minds. What better way to renew our minds than to focus on the elements of beauty and peace that God has literally surrounded us with in this life? What kind of harvest are you looking for in your home? Are you sowing the right seeds today to reap a harvest tomorrow? Are you modeling character traits that will help your your family and your realm of influence shine like stars in a crooked generation? Philemon 7 reminds us that it's our responsibility to share with others, both for our benefit and for theirs. It says, I pray that you may be active in sharing your faith so that you have a full understanding of every good thing we have in Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the saints. One way that we can express our gratitude for others is by being in the present moment with them, supporting, encouraging them, refreshing their hearts, telling them why we're grateful for them. That means that sometimes we're going to have to walk around with our eyes up, looking at others instead of down on a screen so that we can read and respond to the faces of those around us. It means putting away our cell phones in the few minutes right before or after a meeting or a class to allow those interpersonal exchanges with people in our realm of influence. The same way we talked about gratitude posting and narrative storytelling a couple of a couple of episodes back, we can make these activities part of our daily life, part of our regular interactions. You know, um, some of the gratitude studies say practical things like making your first email or your first social media post of the day an encouraging word, just making sure your content is sincerely complimenting or encouraging other people. When my daughter was five, we were working on the memorization of the love scripture. I'll come back, I'll come back to that in just a second. And the fruits of the spirit when in her homeschool kindergarten class. And later that week, I found this adorable to-do list on the front cover of her puppy dog journal. And the entry read as follows, love God, love mom, love dad, love Ethan, her brother, and love Bailey, the dog. I think that pretty much sums it up. Our, our our message, our outpouring of gratitude has to come through a spirit of love, a spirit of affection. I want you to think right now about your family. Think about your organization. Are you demonstrating love and compassion? What actual evidence, what data-driven decision-making could you use to answer that question? Is there, is there evidence that you're grateful? Is there evidence that you're walking in love with others? When you think about your relationships, whether that's romantic or just your friendship relationships, do you see this element of gratitude overflowing? What are some ways that you can make your routines, your interactions with other people more loving and more compassionate? Because I think when we think of that popular verse that's so commonly read at weddings, 1 Corinthians 13, we often mentally just connect it to romantic love. But It's actually not a specific delineation to romantic love. The word love is translated not eros, but agape, the friendship love. Strong's Greek translation defines the word as love, affection, goodwill, benevolence, brotherly love. 
you know, we think about that kind of love in the workplace, the classroom, the, the, the realms of influence, and we think of the people around us, uh, you know, not just being the external agent like a, a spouse, but we think about the, the, the outpouring of love and gratitude to others and how this would shift. Uh, think, of, think again, contemplate it as I read uh, verses one to seven. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I am a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. If I give away all I have and I deliver my body up to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. Love is patient and kind. Love does not envy or boast. It is not arrogant or rude. It does not insist on its own way. It's not irritable or resentful. It doesn't rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Love never ends. Interestingly, this is the same type of love, agape, that's extolled in Matthew 5, 44. But I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those that persecute you. You may have enemies in your realm of influence. They may be people who, people who intentionally persecute you, or it may just be people who drive you crazy. Human behaviors like these are common in every setting from the classroom to the boardroom and learning to love and be grateful for these enemies, these unlovables is going to bring an ultimate transformation, not only to them, but also in us. We have to learn to demonstrate that consistent agape love for those in our realm of influence. You know, Romans 14, 16 reminds us that the kingdom of God is righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. As you celebrate this season of thanks in your heart and in your home, you can intentionally infuse your celebrations and the realm of your influence with that ongoing spirit of thanksgiving. Instead of allowing fears or dreams of the future to blind us to the beauty of the moment, like Matilda did, we can focus our eyes and our hearts on the joy of now. If we want our homes to be established in a spirit of gratitude that eclipses the entitlement spirit that's so prevalent in today's culture, we will need to put into practice these simple steps that have been popularized by researchers and written, most importantly, in God's infallible word, because they will employ a spirit of gratitude in our homes and in our realm of influence. First Thessalonians 5, 16 to 18 reminds us, be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, not just Thanksgiving week, <laughs> for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Thanksgiving is a perfect season for developing generational gratitude. Why not take some time to read aloud and discuss the necklace over the holiday and talk about some practical ways that you and your family can apply the lessons in your own lives. Agree to hold each other accountability, hold each other accountable for negative Nelly attitudes that can dampen even the most enthusiastic enthusiastically God-centered of all Christian holidays, Thanksgiving. Once we open the door to a mindset of gratitude, we may find a host of other virtues freely spilling into our lives as well. As Roman statesman and scholar Marcus Cicero once put it, gratitude is not only the greatest of virtues, but the parent of all the others. 
If you've been contemplating an education for yourself or your children, look no further. You don't have to go woke or broke for your college degree. Our local answer to the global crisis in education is Chula Vista Christian University. And through our inquiry-based model, we founded 32 homeschool-based parent-governed academies across the United States, as well as a four-year university. And we are literally watching the culture shift. We all know intuitively that traditional education is broken beyond repair. We see the scars across the next generation. Our nation's educational ecosystem must be radically changed for the sake of the mental, physical, and spiritual health of the next generation. And I'm personally calling on pastors across the United States to be part of the solution. Pastors go to ARM, that's the Academic Rescue Mission, academicrescuemission.com, to arm your congregation against pagan indoctrination. Parents and grandparents, as you're considering your scholastic options for the upcoming year, there are so many choices available to you once you step off that big yellow prison bus. Parents and students, you can join us for debt-free, faith-based support that's not yoked to a woke government system, and that is preschool to college. You can learn more at cvcu.us. CVCU is here to help you break free from the system preschool to college. We have church-based support classes. We have college degree programs. We have an annual conference and much more community camaraderie. You don't have to do this alone. Learn more at Chula Vista Christian University. If you're new to the show or if you are checking out your options for education, you can catch all the episodes on Communication Architect podcast. You scroll back for interviews, tips, episodes, and you can find all of my books, blogs, and podcasts on the homepage at cvcu.us, including my latest book, Outsourced, Why America's Kids Need an Education Revolution. Again, I am Dr. Lisa Dunn, and thanks for joining me here on today's show. I'll be back next week with more tips and tools of the trade. We'll see you then. Thanks again for joining us here on The Communication Architect. If you have questions about today's episode, or if there are topics you'd like to see us address, send your comments via Instagram to at Dr. Lisa Dunn or via email to contact at drlisadunn.com. That's D-R-L-I-S-A-D-U-N-N-E.com. And remember, strategic communication will help you build greater emotional health and relational resilience. So don't miss the next episode. I'm Dr. Lisa Dunn, and I look forward to talking with you next time right here on The Communication Architect.